when the foot hits the ground, a whole body reaction occurs. So what does that mean? So welcome to Finding Your Rain podcast with me, Jeannie Debon, a movement therapist who specializes in hypermobility, EDS and chronic pain. And I'm delighted today to welcome our guest, Gary Ward. So I'm just going to read his bio because there's a lot to say about Gary, so I don't want to miss anything out. So Gary Ward is an author, educator and speaker on the subject of human movement and anatomy. In the UK, he has appeared on the TV show, Doctor in the House. His passion for the foot hugely influenced his interpretation of human movement. He teaches an evolution of anatomy and physiology and an evolution that starts with the foot and results in whole body integrated movement. He is the inventor of the flow motion model, a simple description of what the body does and when it does it. And this is a powerful tool for both assessment and intervention of the human body in the quest for health through movement. Gary is also the author of What the Foot and he teaches his work all over the world. So I met Gary back in 2014 when I attended one of his six day immersion courses for therapists and medical professionals called Anatomy in Motion. His teachings on foot mechanics and the implications of how the foot really works were a game changer for me. The course quite simply changed how I look at how the body moves. As most of you know, my background is in Pilates training and the foot wasn't really included in any of that training material in any, in any great detail. And yet I would see things with my clients and I'd be confused and wondering why these things were happening through the foot and have any implications further up the body. So Gary's work pretty much was that missing link to my other knowledge and I still use his work today. It's a constant resource, resource for me and with my hypermobile clients. So thank you, Gary, for all your contributions to the world of movement. And um, as, as our listeners will have gathered, we're gonna be focusing on the foot today, which is your speciality. Um, so just to introduce right. yourself, um, <clears throat> how do you know so much about the feet? What's your background? How do I know so much about it? Well, firstly, yeah. thank you for um, a lovely opening and thanks for having me. And um, you're welcome. Um, the uh, what a what an interesting question to open with. So, well, how do I know so much about the foot? I think, firstly, I'm I'm known for not necessarily being professionally trained in inverted commas, as it were. So, I um, grew up. Um, not grew up I was I was old by the time I ended up in the ski <laughs> resorts but I <laughs> I felt like my my real growing up took place when uh, I was introduced uh, to the foot for the purpose of fitting it into a ski boot um, okay. and we literally did three days of studying so going from not knowing what the bone not even knowing that there were bones in the foot to these are bones in the foot and there's 26 of them and there's 33 joints and these are their names um, and I was a linguist, kind of am um, a linguist. Uh, so the idea of picking up and remembering the names was very easy. Yeah. Um, and learning to, we looked at the foot with the view to being able to make it neutral. So the whole education was around neutralizing the foot, which is fairly common mm -hmm. uh, for anybody. So neutral anatomy uh, to explain is is the body's most aligned position yeah so it's neither if you're thinking of the spine it's where you're neither bending left or right or flexing forward or extending backwards yes. it's that position of absolute middle yeah um and so we, we were basically looking to create uh a, well sell i suppose a ski boot that would fit everybody's foot and so you learn to look at the shape of the foot Mm -hmm. uh, because you need to match it to the last of the boot. So there were thin, thin, thin boots. There were wide boots. There were wide boots with a narrow heel. There were high arch yeah. instep boots. There were low ones. Um, and so you just learn to pigeonhole the foot and that's that boot. And people would say, can I have the pink one? You'd be like, no, it's not going to work for you. You're going to have to have a really horrible brown one, but it'll be comfortable, <laughs> I promise. <laughs> and um, so that, that was the kind of... Um, the visual side of it we learned to look at the foot 
And then we would be able to uh, see the foot shape that they adopt. So um, <clears throat> a flat foot will have you pushing your little toes more into the outer edge of the boot. The, in, the medial ankle will push onto the inside of the boot and the instep would change position. And so you're able to say to people, look, if you put this boot on, you're going to feel it here, here and here. But when we neutralize the foot, put the foot in its middle position, all of those pressure points will come away. The toe will come back from the end of the boot. You'll have wiggle room and yeah. you'll be able to, to be free. And of course, a neutral foot has the opportunity to put skis flat on the on the um, snow. Whereas yes. if you're skiing in a flat foot, you're going to put the skis on the inner edges and the uh -huh. skis are always trying to turn towards each other. Um, and then so you could even then build the orthotic nice and tough and strong so that the um the foot was you know on the outer edge so it's a bit more dynamic or athletic so you could play around yeah. with it as you wanted um, but of course in order to take a foot from flat to a neutral position you had to be able to observe its movement and and mm -hmm. um and we i just mentioned the orthotics we used to build um these orthotics um silicon stand on the silicon beads lift the toes up help the foot into a neutral position get the talus into the right position mm -hmm. that's the bone between the the shin and the foot yeah. um and then kind of make the mold and then put the material in to get the the footbed out and you have this lovely shape and you'd grind it to make it fit and put it in the boot mm -hmm. and everybody would be super happy okay um and so we spent a long 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 time looking at these uh looking at feet um yeah we would do i don't know 10 to 12 fits a day probably uh wow. five to six days a week um for, and i was out there for seven seven years <laughs> yeah wow. um so in that process i got became obsessed with anatomy so yeah i grew up doing a lot of drawing i used to draw footballers and always drawing the body and so i always had something in me that wanted unlocking and this this unlocked it so then i did my personal training um qualification sports therapy massage qualifications in order yes. to give me access to work find out more about these bodies um and I've said on other podcasts before that it, it was it was a bit disappointing because I never really felt like I learned any more than I already knew mm -hmm. from reading weightlifting magazines when I was 16 years old so I already had quite a lot of the knowledge yes sailed through the course I think I got one question wrong in all the exams and um it was just easy it yeah. always just been easy so yeah um to then realize that the world was making it oh so complicated felt like a mission for me to try and make it easy again yeah. but in what context and and i was really the, the movement that i was seeing in feet the movement that we were able to create in feet led to this curiosity about when i well when i take that foot from a flat position to a neutral position i've changed the position of the shin which is given more movement in the knee, which allows movement in the pelvis. Mm. And, and eventually over time, um, starting to piece that together is what led to what you just called the flow motion model, yeah. which is basically an observation of every bone and joint journey through a single footstep or through a stride yeah. from heel strike to heel strike. Yeah. And um, the process of, of kind of going, going through that really blew my mind because yeah. it really exposed um, huge differences from what we were being taught or what everyone was being taught and what you were reading in the mainstream um, was very different to the things that I was noticing happen naturally in the body. Yes. So things that happen naturally in the body um, in order to be able to walk with fluid efficiency yeah. were the things that in our industry we were trying to stop happening. Yeah. Um, foot pronation being one of them, core mobility, I guess, being one of them, like at the time yeah. in the early noughties 2000s was you know it was all about stabilizing your core and I, here's me going jesus if we stabilize our core we can't actually walk yeah. <laughs> so absolutely yeah. Um, yeah and so what what we were training why we were training recognizing that people stand in awkward postures that we're then training them to stabilize these postures rather than adjust the posture so they can be more stable yes. um and and i just saw all these little flips that needed uh, talking about so i started talking about them and yeah. um here we are here we are today yeah oh that's yeah um, i'm just so excited to delve a bit deeper into what some of the things you just said um especially about the core stability and this um people being told basically that pronation is a bad thing um but mm. before we before we go into that i mean in your book what the foot um which i've read 
lots and lots of times. Um, you say it's still a good title, isn't it? It's, it's a brilliant title, um, <laughs> and I actually quote this I, in my second book, Hypermobility Without Tears. Um, I quote you in the book because you say, and you just touched on it a little bit, that when the foot hits the ground, a whole body reaction occurs. So what does that mean to, to us when we're walking? What do you mean by that? It means uh, very simply that, well, when the way that our foot interacts with the ground influences the whole structure. So um, if I um, enter optimally, let's say, into, mm -hmm. into the ground, I give optimal opportunity for the body to thrive through, through the movement. Um, so it really starts with how you put your heel on the ground. If you put your heel on the ground um, in a correct way, which would be um, with a supinated foot, a supinated foot is a, is a kind of high arched foot shape. Um, yeah. And on the outer and back corner of the heel, you give yes. yourself more chance of, of creating the optimal footstep. Whereas most people will actually hit the heel late. So they hit further along the foot Okay. Um, which also means that they hit more inside the foot and they're already veering towards a pronated space. The more pronated, flatter the foot is when you hit the ground, the more you're going to collapse into what they call an overpronation. Um, okay. And therefore the timing of your ability to rescue that and get back to a normal stride is, is compromised. Now, if you are a um, more flat-footed type, mm -hmm. um, and to be clear, if you are more flat-footed or pronated, or if you are more high-arched and rigid, it still means that your foot does not have the capacity to experience its full movement potential. So if I land on the inside of my foot and stay on the inside of my foot, then I'm going to do things like bring the knee in, close yes. the gap at the groin, yes. um, change the influence as a rotational influence so a pronated foot will always turn a pelvis away from it and so if, okay. if one foot is pronated the other one is pronated you'll see that the pelvis really has this it tries to go rotate and it tries to rotate but ends up becoming very very still yes so, so yeah the other thing is that if the foot is if you are landing in a pronated position you don't have the opportunity to experience the opposite foot shape which is the high arched one which yes. is the one that creates the full rotation in the pelvis so you're just going to limit movement all the way up if the movement is not present in the feet. Yes. Um, I... And so with the ski boots, I was talking about the neutral position. Yes. And so neutral is the best place to start from. So if you're able to rest in neutral, for instance, you have the opportunity from that position to roll into a flatter foot shape. Yeah. <laughs> the value of doing that is that the the vast majority of the muscles in the foot if you look critically at the muscle attachments um, and forget names like flexors and extensors for the medical people listening yes you will notice that the vast majority of these muscles are set up to supinate the foot that means that they that when they contract they will pull your foot into the high arched position so if you're striking the foot flat yes then all of the vast majority of muscles are going to be long yes. and, and in a lengthened state and in a lengthened state it's like holding an elastic band at full stretch over a period of time and then asking it finally a couple of years later to contract it's not going to be able to yeah. it's going to lose its elasticity yes so in a way we have to try and recreate that but yeah. if you stay on the inside not only are the muscles long the joints are then fixed in this position and they're unable to experience their opposite shape, which is the shape of supination, which will then yes. shorten the muscles. Yeah. So we end up in a we end up in a in a in a world where we then begin to say, well, obviously your muscles are they're, they're long and they're tight, so we're gonna strengthen them. So strengthen your muscles, that will give you your supinated foot shape. Yes. But we know that that's really a really long, very, very long term if if just hopeful roll of the dice. Uh, for okay. many people, we actually okay. have to teach them to be able to do the pronation so that the um, the muscles have no option but to contract against that pronation to trigger the supination. Yeah. Um, and, and all the way up the chain. Yeah. So that I was going to come on to this later, but you just mentioned it. So in your book, one of your big five rules is that muscles must lengthen before they contract. 
And so if we're yes, saying yeah. that you've got um, a very flat foot, your muscles are lengthening, you're saying that we have to teach those muscles how to contract again. Is that right? Yes, by and lengthening them more. By lengthening mm. them more, which is what people yeah. really kind of freak out about because, you know, they go, I've already got a flat foot and you're asking me to pronate it more to make it come back. But that's exactly what they need to yeah. do, right? And that yeah. would apply. Yeah, it, it is. That applies through the whole body as well, doesn't it? Because obviously a lot of our Yeah, so I, I was going to say that if you're watching human movement and you are aware of where these muscles lie in the body, um, we often say like what we get people to do is to Google cats, watch cats jumping, watch cats moving, watch leopards running. Um, yeah. And you'll see that the, what's happening to those tissue areas is they get really, really long and they contract yeah. from a lengthened position that we're not, what we do is we go to the gym and we find ourselves in neutral and shorten our muscles too short. So from yes. neutral to short, not from long back to neutral. It, and yes. it's, it's a subtle difference, but it's absolutely phenomenally yeah. huge and impactful when you get to put that into the body. Yeah. Now, most people can't find that neutral position in their foot. And so yeah. to get them to shorten from there is, is, is an impossibility. Yeah. Um, so they, we have to teach them to lengthen from the long position. Yes. And in okay. the only way we can get the muscles in the foot in a long position is to teach the bones how to be in a pronated state. Wow. Um, okay. And so there are 26 of those little chaps uh, that need organizing. And there are 33 yeah. joints, each with a three dimensional potential that need this influence putting into them. And so we have to educate the foot itself. Yeah. How to flatten. So unfortunately, you're saying to me uh, that, you know, well, I've already got a flat foot and, and a flat mm. foot is a really rubbish label yeah <laughs> unfortunately yeah um, yes your arch might be close to the ground yes your arch might be lower um but the chance of it being pronated in my book now i just caveat this pronation is a three-dimensional um movement that that takes place with the three points of contract contact sorry the tripod on the ground mm. and that's your heel Yep. your metatarsal head and your, your big metatarsal head, that's your big toe knuckle, and your fifth yep. metatarsal head, that's your little toe knuckle. Yep. And if those things aren't on the ground and you have a and you then and you have a flat foot shape, then you've you've you, you I wouldn't call it pronated personally. Okay. What I would you call um, it? Well I, so the rear foot may have collapsed in order to try and put pronation into the foot, but the forefoot hasn't responded. Um, it's left this what looks like an apparent flat foot shape, but it. But we sh we we should be able to just ask ourselves if I've got pressure in these three areas, and if I have, yes, then it might be it might be pronated. If it hasn't, then we've just got this. It's most likely to be what's called an everted foot. Okay. And an everted foot is a single dimension of the three available so we don't want to use okay. one dimension we want to maximize yes. the benefit of all three so if we just take that as an example if my yeah. foot is just everted so i've got pressure on the inside of the foot the arch yes. is low but yes. the pressure on the outside border is lacking yes that, that would best describe an everted foot yeah i would um, say yeah that's quite a lot of what i see in my hypermobile clients to be yeah, yeah. um and so they roll to the inside, the knees are yeah. going to come in a bit, the yes. femurs are going to internally rotate, the pelvis is going to tilt forward. Yeah. And you can see how that that's all how coming just from the, the, the yeah. pressure here on the inside of the foot. Yeah. I've got Absolutely. a current Instagram series that I'm just running, which is all about your foot pressures. And it's yes, taking the that. time to stand up, close your eyes and have a feel for where the pressure is in your feet. And some people will have it inside on both feet. And yep. they will be how I just described. Yep. Some people will have it on the inside of one foot and the outside of another foot of yep. the other foot. And then their body weight is a little bit more to the right. Yes. Um, and so from these pressures, we can start to gauge the overall body body position. But what's really important is that we take time to look at the foot structure itself and begin to re-expose that to what it should be and could be doing. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, because that if we can start to bring those pressures more evenly, then it's going to bring the knees out and it's going to take some pressure off that 
um, tilted pelvis, maybe relieve some pressure in the low back and give yeah. us freedom to move. But actually bringing everything to that center point from which I have a better opportunity to move both left and right, rather than just being stuck at one mm. end of the spectrum. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. So obviously, um, and, you know, our listeners will have quite widespread pain. You know, they will have knee pain and hip pain. So we're saying a lot of that could be helped along by looking at the foot, basically. Because if everything's it rolling could. in, yeah, it could, obviously, without seeing the foot, everyone's <laughs> different. But a lot of times we see the knees rolling in, the internally rotated femurs, pelvises that are yeah. kind of stuck, definitely anteriorly tilted. And then we get mm -hmm. the lordosis, obviously, so very tight in our lower backs. And then yeah. typically a very tight thoracic spine as well, I guess. Yeah, because in of inflection. Symptoms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously shoulders, I mean, let, it just carries on, let's doesn't not it? Be, uh, let's not be... Uh, um, pretend that this is just the EDS hypermobile <laughs> community because you've just yes. described perfectly <laughs> the vast majority of people on the planet yeah. whether they're hypermobile or, or yeah. not yeah. the fact is um, that the again in the book I, there's a um, American College of Sports Medicine I think was the paper and it says 95 no it says there are 70 percent of abnormal feet and 30% of normal feet and they were describing that as um, obviously there are kind of biomechanical norms if they fit mm. inside bracket A and bracket B they were yeah. normal feet yeah but I would always say well I've never seen really normal if, no. if, I, if my if my very strict bracket is new is it neutral or not then then I'm going to put it into the uh, into the abnormal Yes. Um, I don't like nor normal. I mean, if normal is everyone's pronated, that's what's normal, yeah. right? We want to create a new normal, which is where they're actually able to move. Yes. So, um, but if, if, if one foot is slightly flatter than the other foot, mm -hmm. the flatter foot will bend the knee more on that leg. It will rotate the pelvis away from it on that oh. leg. It will create a counter rotation in the spine. So even if two feet fit in normal ranges, but are different, it's creating a Torsion. abnormal change in the body. So we yeah. dismiss the 30% of normal yeah. because in really to fit into a let's not worry about it bracket, they need to both be identical and they both need to be mobile and effective in yeah. my opinion. And, yeah. and that's, you know, I am quite anal, quite OCD and would like to seek perfection where possible right yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that's what we you know somebody we got a thing a fridge magnet that says aim for the moon and, it, and you'll land among the stars you know that type of idea so yeah. we're, we're gonna we hope for the best um and go after it um but inside the 70 percent of of abnormal it said 95 percent will be pronated and five percent will be supinated um i mean and even years later having read that and written that um I would still argue that those pronated and supinated can't really be coined and defined as that. There'd still be messy feet that we need yeah. to do to do some work with. Yes. But there's, yeah. but, there's, but if ninety five percent of us are pronated, ninety five percent of us are going to adopt a position similar to what you just described. And just to yeah. remind, feet pressures on the inside, knees to the inside, pelvis tilted forward, lordosis curve in the lower back, yeah. and then we flex forward, head forward, rounded yeah. shoulders. Living, living a life in front of us Absolutely. Um, and so yeah. <laughs> um, if we're all so similar the, the the thing here is that we start to generate areas of compression in the between the joints where joints get stuffed together yes. yeah, and we start to um, uh, we'll start to see tension in the tissues where joints are pulled apart so okay. um, for instance, trying to keep that nice and simple, where, where you've mentioned the tilt in the pelvis yeah, and the lordosis in the curve in the back. So the joints on the back of the spine will be compressing together. Yes. Joints on the front of the spine will be open. So yes. abdominal tissue will be long, but all that area on the back will be short and gnarly. And, and yeah. obviously that's where people can have yeah. discomfort. Yeah. But I always point out that we can have discomfort where the, where the, where the structure is compressed, but we can also have discomfort where the structure is under tension and there's no telling who will have what at what point yeah. so if we start to understand the shape that people are making in their skeleton we can and then 
people can draw an X on the parts of their body that are sore, you'd be able yeah. to say, well, you've simply got a compression discomfort here, or you've simply got a tension-based discomfort here. Now, if we can change those feet from this to this, from on the inside to more neutral and bring the yep. knees out and soften the pelvis, you're going to change the amount of compression in the spine. You're going to change yes. the amount of tension in the tissue. That's yes. everywhere, not just in the spine. And yes. that's how we then the feeling of discomfort is reduced by virtue of changing the shape of the structure. Yeah. And so um, you mentioned muscles lengthen before they contract. The other rule that is a big one for us is joints act and muscles yes. react. Uh, yeah, I was going to so mention we that. Work yeah, sorry, I'm, a, I'm just... No, 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 it's perfect. No, <laughs> it I fits nicely one. into the conversation. Yeah. A lot of people will be given things to do for their muscles. Yes. Whether it's to strengthen them, whether it's to stretch them, whether it's to foam roll them, whether it's to, you know, um, massage. The amount of people using lacrosse balls on their feet and stuff like that, it makes me cringe. We really need to be influencing... We really need to be influencing the bony shape. If we can change the bony shape, we instantly tap into the muscle length because if the bones change, the muscle has to. But you can tighten a muscle, you can strengthen a muscle, shorten a muscle, stimulate a muscle. It doesn't, it's weird. It doesn't seem to have the power to make the bone move. <laughs> and when I'm talking about a, um, I'm hearing, I'm starting to hear people kind of go, what? Um, because that's what we've grown up with. But yeah. when when you move when you move a bone, yes, two bones to, to influence a joint, you move a group of bones. Let's say in yeah. the feet, then you start to you instantly have an impact on that talus bone, which instantly is going to rotate the shin, which is instantly going to create a change of shape in the knee, which allows it to extend a bit, which means that you've got more freedom of movement at the pelvis. Yes, if you're just rolling a lacrosse ball on a on a, on a foot tissue you're not necessarily going to influence that chain of events. And I think that's what's important here is that if we're going to work with the bones, we won't need to work with all of them at once, which sounds like a big deal. Mm -hmm. But the, the cool part of it is, is that they, they just create human shapes that we then use as an influence to start restoring the joint-based movement for people so that yes. the muscle, we can take the pressure off the muscles and, of course, the pressure off the joints so that compression-tension relationship adjusts. Yes. And it downgrades a little bit. I've seen, um, you will have seen, uh, actually, it's still um, in the book, is a, a little case study of a guy who had 54% of his body weight in his right heel. Yeah. And yeah, was in absolute agony. Um, do you remember? And yes. I had all of you in the room stand up. Let's put your foot pressures where his foot pressures are. And then I say, where do you feel your pain? And everyone says, oh, back, right hip, yeah. lower back. The odd outlier feels something different. Yeah. The vast majority say exactly what his symptoms were. Yes. So if everybody can can walk in his shoes, they would all have his pain. Yes. So the, the journey was to redistribute his foot pressures so that he could get more weight into his left forefoot. Yeah. After one session, he's, he's miraculously pain-free, but his Amazing. structure is still still messy his structure had gone from 54 percent in his heel to 34 percent in his heel but you yeah. looked at it and it was still not great yeah but it's 20 percent reduction of pressure which means if you put your weight in your back right heel with very little in your left forefoot you'll all lean back into that corner yeah and so as he leant less back into that corner still back into that corner yeah the same amount of feeling that he had had reduced to the yes. point of going it doesn't hurt anymore yeah you're a miracle man no not really we just put pressure where, where you didn't have it be. before yeah yeah and so we taught you to get into your left foot we taught you to take your pelvis over to the left instead of living it on the right did exactly the same with the man on the tv um 34 years of pain for, with with ray um he was virtually a very similar foot position um different story different background different reasoning but we just taught his skeleton to go places where it had never been before yeah. And, yeah and that, and that was enough, enough to do it yeah yeah now neither no. of those guys were, were hypermobile so no. No, um, no. <laughs> yeah but it's I do that all the time so I always take your your technique and I you know we do that I get my clients to stand and say where do you feel the weight and we and then I put I mimic it and I put it in my body so I stand up and because I, I just want to feel it because I can't I need yeah. to experience it before I can help them and understand what's going on. And you're absolutely so right, because as soon as I do it, I go, oh, yeah, well, I can feel where your pain is because I'm feeling it already. Yeah. 
It's yeah. then, like you say, start to get them having a new experience. Oh, actually, I don't have to put all my weight on my right foot. I can shift over. They're like, wow. Mm -hmm. And the great thing is they just, they feel different instantly. You know, okay, yeah. it doesn't fix everything, but they go, wow, this feels so different. And that's when yeah. you know your their body's going to be open to it because they're ready yeah. to accept a new a new experience, which is brilliant. Yeah, and uh, what's nice about that, Jeannie, is you're going under the radar as well. So they're just let's we'll do these movements that will coax you into bearing weight in the other foot. Yeah, and then your brain goes, oh, I actually quite like that. I think exactly. that's that's yeah. probably going to help me. And and so they're personally not making the choice. I've always joked that people generally don't like change yes um, and as we're seeing kind of in the world at the moment but people don't like change so given the choice of change they stay away from it but under the radar change it can can, can yeah. prove to be a very long long-term thing definitely yeah 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 it's down to the nervous system isn't it really if the nervous system yes, registers a change and says actually that feels better than the last position i'm going to stick with this exactly because i often get beneficial or not Exactly. Because oftentimes, if you say to people, just go back to what you were doing before, and they go into it, and they're like, oh, that feels awful. And I was like, well, yeah, but that's what <laughs> yeah. you were doing for 20 years. So they just have and to have that. Saw. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's yeah. remarkable. Yeah, oh, that's really good. So, and again, we probably touched on this, but a lot of our clients, and again, probably not just the hypermobiles, but they have a gait pattern because a lot of um, our listeners have been in pain for many, many years. They have fear of movement. So they don't, um, oftentimes we don't breathe properly because we're very tight in our thoracic. Also, it's a fear led thing. Um, so when we walk, we don't have a lot of movement anywhere, really. So the legs are moving, but we're not getting hip extension. There's no rotation. Now, I know you talk about all these counter rotations that are needed in the body for really fluid, easy movement. So if somebody's mm. walking quite stiff, stiff and rigid, what, what are the implications for that? I mean, long term, that's not great for them. Are, are, they, are they doing it by choice? As in, no. don't move fine? Just how they no, are? No, no, it's just how they are because, because they've, they're kind of protection. I guess we're in a protection yeah. mode. So we don't want to move. We're scared of moving because, you know, it could hurt. We might hurt our shoulder. We might hurt our hips. So we get into a point where everything becomes, like you were saying, very compressed. So we kind of walk in a box. I kind of see it as like a yeah. box. Um, yeah. Over time, of course, you're not getting those muscles lengthening and contracting, I guess, are you? Absolutely. So, no. So, so, um, we well, we call them um, we call this set of <clears throat> structure the cogs so the pelvis mm -hmm. excuse me a sec <clears throat> the pelvis the rib cage and the skull mm -hmm. and they they articulate if you if you look at the joint surfaces and watch how one knocks on to affect movement at the other in an A B C D relationship you recognise that the pelvis and the rib cage always move in opposition to each other. Okay, so that's um, a big one. And that's one. In, in all three dimensions. So um, okay. that means if my pelvis tilts forward, my rib cage should tilt up. Oh wow, If okay. my pelvis rotates left, my rib cage should rotate right. If my pelvis tilts up on the left-hand side, my rib cage should tilt down on the left-hand side. Okay. And that's how you have movement in the spine. Now attached to the spine uh, and the rib cage, and to the pelvis is a plethora of muscles uh, from your muscles, the lats, which reach onto your arms, the quadratus lumborum sits either side of the spine um, and attaches down onto the pelvis, the erectors of the spine, the pectoral chest muscles, the rib cage muscles, the breathing muscles. And then from the rib cage, you've got all that tissue from your neck reaching up into, yep. into your skull, from your collarbone, scapula, yep. um, shoulder blade, all the way, all the way up. Um, and so I just mentioned a whole bunch of muscles. And if you're going to exercise all of them, it's going to take you all week. And it, that's <laughs> what it does. People lay out their abdominal program, their back yeah. program, their chest program, right? right? Yeah. Um, and it's going to take you all week to do that. But if you can gently introduce this oppositional movement of the pelvis and the rib cage, uh, we have stuff that can help people access this uh, mm -hmm. quite nicely. Um, 
then you're able to tap into all of those muscles very, very, very quickly. Now, you, you mentioned stiffness in the thoracic, right? So if you stiffness in the thoracic and stiffness in the rib cage, if your head is forward, mm -hmm. we've mentioned that if we're holding pressure in flat feet, that the pelvis is tilted forward. Yeah. The permissions for that pelvis to tilt unforward, i.e. back towards its resting neutral position and beyond, mm -hmm. comes from the foot being able to be in its opposite state. Ah. And so my foot, if my foot's on the inside and I can't mm -hmm. get the pressure to the outside, then, and my pelvis is forward, I'm not going to have a chance to do that. So already I'm going to walk with my feet not changing shape, my knees not changing position. Basically, my leg is going forwards and backwards yes. without any articulation in the joint structures. Yes. Then my pelvis is go has got no choice but to stay tilted. Wow. My That's spine huge. has no choice but to stay um, extended in the in the lordosis shape yes um, and then i'd have because that doesn't move it has no input into the higher thoracics and the head just stays forward and nothing moves um, and so the 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 simplicity that i like to put in is we literally invite you lay on the floor if standing up is too much mm -hmm. but laying laying on the floor you 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 can gently bring your knees up feet flat on the ground roll your pelvis down towards your toes and let your body be free and, and then roll it all the way back so the lumbers touch the floor. Yeah. Um, and you'll start to feel the, the maybe not immediately, and, and even in person, sometimes not, not me, but in person with somebody working one-to-one, -one, it takes a little bit of coaxing and a sure. little breathing and a little bit yeah. of guidance and a little bit of cueing. Again, that's all that stuff that we can help with. Yeah. Um, but you start to create that rhythm and we call them cogs, so so that you can have the visual of. Um, yeah. Of, uh, is this going out as a video or just sound? Uh, video. Can I do yeah. this? Yes, yes, you can do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the cogs on the on the on the clock, they move like this. This is my pelvis tilting in one direction. Yeah. Then the the rib cage on top has to go in the opposite direction, and that creates an extension here in the spine. And then if the rib cage is now going this way. The skull, in order to keep on top of it and the eyes on the horizon, goes the opposite way. Yeah. So we have this, we have this articulation as the ribs rise up and the skull yeah. dips, and there's a flow put into your body. So all of a sudden, joint, every vertebrae has got this experience. Yeah. Instead of being fixed in one or fixed like this or fixed like this, yes. it has the opportunity to experience both ends of its range. Yeah. Um, and and now you've got all those muscles lengthening and shortening. You've got the opportunity for more air in and air out. So you can add breathing into this work. You can tap into all the respiratory muscles yeah. and you can start to put a flow. So with that flow present then, we've yes. now got uh, all, all of the muscles have been tapped into. Yeah. All of the muscles having opportunity to lengthen lengthen and contract inhaling and exhaling all the respiratory muscles are engaged the neck muscles are engaged they're Amazing. all moving and they're all following the bones joints act muscles react and the pelvis if the pelvis now has the freedom to do this it will simply turn the femurs in and out and if the femurs can turn out it can pull the feet out of that midline as well. So not only can we work with the feet to influence the upper body, we can work with the upper body to influence yes. the feet. And the magic is where we tie them all yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, very much in agreement, you know, it drives me mad when you see things like, you know, this is a class for your legs, or this is a glute class, or this is a, like you say, an abdominal class, you know, you can't have individual muscle group classes you know you can't go to an exercise class just for your abs because you are going to be affecting everything else the, yeah. everything is related to everything else it, it's one yeah, of my I'd bugbears like to... <laughs> <laughs> we have lots of bugbears i think when you <laughs> wander this path but to keep things real if it depends on your intention if your intention yeah. is um you know a good workout then i think that's fine but if i th I, I think we've somewhere along the line in the word movement, we, we crossed that idea between getting sweaty and working hard mm -hmm. to actually influencing movement at a joint. Yes. I tried writing a piece about it in, um, and it's very difficult because you've got movement and movement and it's one word. What, what is it? Because if you're going to a class and you're moving your body, if you're moving your body at speed, if you're moving your body um, in order to move a... Um, a, a weight mm -hmm. or um, achieve a goal, then it, you're basically going to move in your fixed patterns. 
Yes. If you want to undo your fixed patterns, your movement has to be really, really slow yes. and really, really specific and really on point. And, and when I say on point, we're putting up boundaries, limitations, yeah. so that you're not able, you're not overcompensating in one place to get the movement elsewhere. Well, you're that. actually getting yeah. the movement where you want it. Yes. Um, and I think that's it's a, it's a huge difference. And so in this community, they might have the idea that exercise makes me well but exercise doesn't change if exercise you want the type of movement that influences your structure to give yes. your muscles more opportunity you're going to get so much more out of teaching your spine to move in the way we just described than you mm -hmm. are i'm going to say a pilates class because the pilates mm -hmm. class is is um, not necessarily triggering that i didn't mean to yeah. do that as a defamatory to pilates but it could sure. have picked any class yeah um but, you know, even even yoga, we can go and have this huge stretching, meditative, wonderful experience that I love to do. Yeah. But I haven't necessarily tapped into those lovely little joint sequences that, that really matter uh, for, for the flow. And so um, to, we used to get weightlifters to break through huge plateaus they'd been stuck in for ages by doing these silly quiet little movements yeah. it's very against what they would normally do but they get back under the weight bar and just blow through their plateau yeah. because they have more potential in their system they're not exactly. working on old habits anymore they're working in new spaces yeah and i think that's what's yeah. important if we take that to pain um you can take the pressure off parts of your body by by getting them to move differently in yeah. a more coordinated way and in a more succinct way yeah definitely you know people often come and see me because they've been referred by their physio or their doctor and they say they've been told they need to strengthen their core you know i want to get strong um, well i don't believe in that old model of core stability anyway but i always say to them we can't if they're already tight and everything's contracted and, and they're tense we can't do any kind of strength work because you've got to let yeah. that go we've got to give you a new experience and then start again and the body's going to be so much more receptive than if we just started trying to do strength work on a reformer or, you know, however we want to mm. do it. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Like, like we said earlier, Again, you've got to have a new experience and your nervous system yeah. has got to change to, yeah. you know, otherwise I'll just, I say, I'll just strengthen you how you already are. Like you say, with your old habits, your old patterns, it's not really going to do you any good. Yeah. So yeah we used to uh, we'd stand stand people on a force plate where they actually get a visual of how they're holding their weight in their in their feet so it would give you a digital readout of the quadrants of, of the foot like i said earlier that guy 54 percent and and yeah. so we would have weightlifters and personal trainers and we'd look they'd look at it and that all their weight is on the right and all the weight is backwards and you'd say would you want to squat on that? Would you let your yeah. client squat on that? And they're like, no way. Where yeah. would you want to squat from? In a very balanced, organized yeah. position. Okay, so let's reorganize things, give you body ability to do that. And then you'll do it in a flowing state, not yeah. a compensated, yeah. adaptive one. But that's yeah. the one that we all live in. and We want to move yes. towards the other one. Yeah, exactly. No, very interesting. Um, so I know we talked about this before, but I just, because it's so important for our listeners, um, I just want to go over it one more time so we've got it. So <laughs> many people come to see me and they led to believe that pronation is a bad thing and they shouldn't be pronating their feet and they have orthotics to mm. support the foot and to support, um, to support them. Um, so they come to me believing that they shouldn't pronate their feet, like it's a really bad word. But we need pronation, right? Pronation is not a bad mm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's to allow Absolutely. the muscles to lengthen and contract, as we were saying. Earlier. Yeah, but more yeah. than that, I, I think the chances of these people actually being pronated is very, very slim. Yes. Okay. They're more likely to have a flat foot because of the organization of the body above it yeah. and the adaptation and compensations going on in 33 joints. The chance of them pronating in a pure and simple way that they were designed to is very, yeah. very slim. So you yeah. don't find optimally flat feet you yeah. the the flat foot that doesn't have pressure under the first knuckle but mm -hmm. has pressure in the toe where the talus bone is rotated and there's a counter rotation somewhere else in the foot these will all present themselves as flat again yes. with no pressure on the outside border that yeah. looks like a flat foot it, it's it it's 
it's really loose terminology yeah it's poor quality assessment mm-hmm. um and it's low quality advice actually yeah. that the, 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 the people giving them that advice has been given so it's probably not yes. their fault but it's coming yeah the the whole education of this is 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 affected mm. personally i can yeah. feel an onslaught coming no from no, outside, but that, but, no, um, no but that's, the, <laughs> it, it's, no, that's we, what we're important. doing is we're just propping the prop, we're propping the foot up genie to give it the yeah. best chance and the way and that's essentially what i would have done in the ski boot and it makes a yeah. difference yeah and so people can feel comfortable on it and then i understand that they're fearful yeah. of doing it but when we use our wedges we use the wedges i use the wedges I'll I'll just reorganize that sentence. When I started working with people's feet, I was looking for something. What would I do if I was building an orthotic to help this foot? Well, I would Mm -hmm. put something there. That something would be wedge-shaped. What can I find? I suppose to roll up a yoga mat and shove it under the area, but then teach them to move correctly on it. And I recognized that by having the foot wedged up changed the timing of the movement changed the stimulus into the tissue changed the joint motion sequencing sufficiently for them to have a different experience when they Mm -hmm. walked away yeah and so the wedges we have these little wedges um basically just foam foam triangles and that we use in a very specific way to help teach the foot and the bones of the foot to move differently yes stimulate the tissue have the tissue respond and the bones move so that we can we can start to do that now when i've worked with people with orthotics um you i i have never told anybody to come off them because i don't believe in telling anybody everything the same way i won't tell you to flex your neck i'll give you an experience of that yeah so some people would have a session two sessions three sessions and then put their shoes on and go that doesn't feel right anymore um some people have said can you scan me in my orthotics and then you start you then, then you look at with the orthotics their body position is completely worse than without because they've wow. they're now and then they'll make those decisions themselves um and and i think that's what's most important is that the yeah. person is able to what i call take ownership of their body yes. and that includes what age do i use to help me with it what movements mm-hmm. shall i use but also understanding actually this movement is beneficial this movement yeah. hurts i won't use that yeah. Um, but taking ownership of our body rather than handing it over to us um, keen, willing and educated practitioners, no matter how good the practitioner is, if you don't take ownership of your body, you're mm-hmm. putting a lot of pressure on that practitioner to help you. Um, yes. And so that's a big part of um, my idea is to educate people um, to be able to help themselves, but also to educate people like yourself who can pass that knowledge. on. Yeah. Yeah. And just so um, our listeners can sort of think about this just because you present in that way today we can or the person when they work at it can change that you can you can strengthen your foot you can reshape your foot through specific exercises or types of movement or loading the tissue so there it's not like we're stuck like that forever because that's what a lot Um, of people are led to believe that is what we're led to believe Um, and a lot of people I think the, the the word biomechanics is is slipping into the same category as pronation. Like biomechanics is evil. Like it doesn't work anymore. But mm. I think that's because we've been doing it upside down and inside out. Biomechanics is all about the alignment of of things, standing upright, stable core, upright spine, getting strong and packing it all in. And that isn't how we want it to be. Yeah. Um, biomechanics is much more neurological, as you said, where we're creating an exploration of of movement um, for people and so if you are able to tap into the areas of your body that you struggle to move and start in that soft succinct gentle but learned approach to putting movement back there you you can make a difference yeah i've seen people whose feet have been i always remember one lady that was at her house years ago a little bit of um input into her feet and her arches literally popped back and she couldn't she couldn't believe it wow. i've seen people who haven't been able to move their toes for years come up and they lift them up and it, it happened to a chap called larry on a course and he we lost him for three hours and just walking around the room staring at his toes it was unbelievable <laughs> to him that he could lift them up so we've just given them permissions to access normal yeah but i should caveat this because we always um, spray the good stuff around 
I've seen had people who's um, have been in incredible pain from bunions. I've seen people with incredible pain from flat feet, and the flat foot has changed, but it's still a flat, a flatter foot. It's not like resorted mm -hmm. to normal, but sure. the change is enough for them not to be uncomfortable, and the change is more apparent higher up in the body or, or somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and and again, there's no control over this. I do not know what is going to happen to anybody that I work with. Yeah. Good or bad. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, are yeah. you are diligently following a, a program which is we're going to there are these movements you should be able to achieve. Let's explore those. There are these areas of your feet that are are asleep. We're going to wake those up and we're going to let you to access those. And we're going to put the two together and we're going to see what happens. Yeah. Um, and I've genuinely I've said for years, see what happens as a mm. as a very meaningful um comment rather than a yeah. um Absolutely. Because you actually don't know. You have no idea how a nervous system is going to yeah. respond. All you can do is exactly. put, put back the good. Um, yeah. the, the intention is to is to help. And, and sometimes I think I've, I've got this word in my head is there may be a strong reason for your postural holding, which could be yes. previous injury, previous yeah. behaviours of movement, previous working habits. Um, yeah. What, and AT still the founder of osteopathy called insults to the body. So we don't think of injuries and stuff. We just think of these insults, little things yeah. that have happened to us Absolutely. have caused a kink here and an adjustment there and a change here. And we're looking to unwind those. So winding back in time through our movement yeah. history is, yeah. is also for me anyway, a fascinating part of the process. Yeah. And that's why I think you have to go slowly, right? You mentioned earlier going slow. Because if you're storing, yeah. Because if you're storing trauma or stress or whatever heart old injuries from even from a childhood, right? You, they can still be in there. You can't attack yeah. your body. You've got to go gentle with that. You can't. Yeah, and and I think your body finds itself where it is because it's found a safe place. Even yes. though it hurts today, it's still reluctant to go back to what it deems as an unsafe place. Yes. So if we can make people feel safe in unsafe spaces or have confidence where they previously lost it they broke a leg and they never put weight on that leg again yeah um that we see that so many times yeah um, of course it's not the leg that they broke that's hurting anymore it's the low back that is carrying the burden of being on the right leg all the time yeah. so giving them confidence feeling safe again permission to move things again permission to put metatarsal heads on the ground it, it, that it's all these these nice words safety permission confidence yeah. Um, yes. experience that if we can if we can create that the nervous system moves towards it and not away from it yeah amazing so i've got one final question for you because um about eccentric muscle control or actions um oh, right okay largely because um for a hypermobile body and maybe for everyone but typically for we know mm. that in hypermobility gotcha. e eccentric muscle control is very very difficult because we tend to fall into gravity and we let sort of our bodies hang yeah that's why a lot of people are attracted to yoga because we kind of hang into those postures we're not really working we can get away with hanging into them which isn't great um, so, but in your book, you do talk about the importance of concentric, so the, the contraction and the eccentric muscle contractions working together um, or doing yeah. both, doing both. Mm -hmm. um, why is it so important that we get that eccentric for, for, for our bodies? Because we would well, love to avoid it if we could, yeah, as a hypermobile. So so if you avoid the eccentric part of the of the, the muscle contraction you are effectively breaking my number one rule which is muscles lengthen before they ah, contract. there we go so right if we change eccentric and concentric to lengthen eccentric and shorten concentric um then you are immediately limiting yourself to one side of the coin rather than the whole coin okay. um and um I would say, and it's fair to say, I've actually, I've got a paper somewhere that eccentric has as bad a rep as pronation. Oh, really? So I'm saying that pronation is important. I'm also saying that eccentric is important. Um, and so you, you can see sometimes the wider community, how they might look in and go, this guy's just a bozo. Um, <laughs> but if muscles tear in a lengthened space, mm -hmm. and so the, the it's always in the eccentric action that, that a muscle tearing would take place so we've already 
you're putting people on the back foot already with this conversation. Yes. But um, if you are, if you forget the muscles and you go for the joint movement, mm -hmm. and the um, the reason I would tear a muscle as it is lengthening is because the joint that it is attached to is doing more work than it should. Yes. Whereas if we can get the joints to team up and they all do the amount that they're supposed to, it will actually create an impossibility to be for a muscle to be too long. Yeah. So I get the optimum amount of lengthening. The optimum amount of lengthening as the muscle lengthens creates yes. a response in the brain for the brain to say, well, that joint's gone far enough now. I'll send a message to the muscle to contract. So it contracts from its lengthened position and brings the joint back in the other direction. Yeah. Then that joint enters a state of what we call momentum as it swings forward, um, while the energy flips into the muscles on the other side of the joint to eccentrically lengthen and control and control that. And Amazing. so, yeah. again, if we go back to a yoga class and we do our stretches or if we do static stretching, one of my rants in the book was that static stretching doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and the reason I say that is because we have, well, classically, the one for me was always um, finish a PT session, lay someone on the back, stretch the hamstring, hamstrings yeah. are short. Off they go for a week, they come back, stretch the hamstring, three times, three sessions a week after each one, stretch the hamstring, like, Jesus, when is this hamstring stretch going to kick in? <laughs> when is it actually going to be effective? And then, and then you go, oh, well, the hamstring attaches to the pelvis, so pelvic movement's important. Hamstring attaches to the lower limb, the um, tibia and fibula. So lower limb movement's important. Lower limb attaches to the talus and the foot. So foot position is really important. Oh, hang on. We need to affect the foot, the ankle, the knee, the hip, the pelvis, just to be able to speak to the hamstring. Mm -hmm. And there's two leg shapes that we can make. One is a pronating shape where, where that we, you beautifully described earlier. Pressure's rolling inwards, knee bending, yeah. pelvis tilting. Yeah. And there's an opposite leg shape called a supination leg, which is where the pressure's moved towards the outside and back. Knee straightens. Femur yeah. externally rotates, pelvis, pelvis tilts back again. If we can, a bit similar to the cogs in the spine, if we can implement, make this happen yes. in all three dimensions and we can get those two movements I described in the leg happening, you, you create a huge opportunity for yourself. And and and, and in, in that, you know, they're the two things, uh, the two things that I have available for people to take ownership of their body are focused on those very two mm. conversations that we've just had there. So mm. amazing. I'm not saying it won't be frustrating and it won't be arduous and it <laughs> won't be it, yeah. it, because it is like it, it is. Um, but if, if we, if we stop this idea of working on our body, stretch it, strengthen it and work with our body and go, what yes. does it need? What should it be able to do? What can it do? What am I not doing that it could do yeah. and, and start tapping into those spaces? I think you have a, um, you have a really, again, good opportunity to, to enjoy it again absolutely um, and a lot of people don't um i get asked a lot of time have you, have you ever been in pain and then and then when i started all of this it was horrendous i lived in a world of pain um, i skied had big accidents did all kinds of stupid stuff on a pair of skis um and sought practitioners to help me you know fix me nobody could fix me and and i am the living breath of taking ownership of your own body because I mm -hmm. had to I had to do yeah. that I was I was out um, and this this really set me free I had an opportunity not only while I was trying to work it out I'm exploring all of these sequences in my body and, and magical things were happening so yeah. um I, I if I could do it on my own I think anyone could do it on my own yeah. but now you have guidance which I did <laughs> I didn't yeah. so yeah. I got you know stumbled kind of lucky there's one thing I want to touch on because I know you said that was the last question but um yeah you said something earlier about ankles subluxing yes. quite a lot. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so, I just mentioned that in I just yeah. mentioned that in that eccentric space. Did you have a yeah. question related to that? Or? No, no. I was just going to say, you know, that's really for our listeners. A lot of them will be listening, thinking, you know, my ankles sublux all the time. I can't even, you know, walk to the end of my street without wearing an ankle brace or my feet totally, you know, ankle subluxing oh, wow. all the time. Okay. So working around the foot and how to improve that if you would be you know amazing yeah well because I, I just mentioned there was that idea uh, which is what reminded me but 
I was talking about you asking about the eccentric contraction and yes and I said the only way that that tissue can tear is if there's if there's too much movement in that particular space that that muscle has to manage yeah the only reason you have too much movement somewhere is because there's not enough movement somewhere else oh. so you have this faulty exchange and now if everything moves together beautifully as it should they all move perfectly nothing moves too much nothing moves too little nothing moves too quick nothing moves too slow but as th as things imbalance you have this happening so you move this is moving too quick this is not moving yeah. fast enough this yes. isn't moving at all this is moving too far left this is going yeah. right to compensate this is happening all the time in the body yeah. um and i think it, it's a nice way to round round it all off but I, I i say i've been i don't believe in the body having a dysfunction i believe it is 100 percent functional all the time i believe yes. that you can't add anything to it or take anything away from it you can just reduce its access yes um and so with these ankles if your foot is is unable to move and and also you've you've got this hypermobility um mm -hmm. going on then you you're less likely to be able to control movements as somebody who, exactly. who doesn't if you've you've got the ehlers danlos etc but yes. in order to reduce in order to reduce the risk of that if if my 33 bones in my foot can't move they're really not moving. And this mm -hmm. is the irony of hypermobile is that there are areas that are hypomobile. Oh, absolutely. So you have, this is a huge part of it, I think, where yeah. you've got, this is too much yeah. and it's way too much. And this is draws your attention. Whoa, how, you can do that. Yeah. Um, but the other areas of the foot that don't move, of course, they have very much less attention drawing. That's right. um, absolutely. But of course, sig a significant factor. So if we've got 33 joints in the foot that don't move very well, Mm -hmm. you can start to see how suddenly the ankle if it's got movement yeah. potential and laxity uh, it's that's got the potential to to be the the, the, guy the, that the, the weak the link in the chain yeah or takes the hit exactly that's yeah. that's put the, put it the phrase perfectly yeah and and so wouldn't it be a decent opportunity to spend some time mobilizing the foot bones getting mm -hmm. the tissues of the foot to what we call wake up and we use that wake up because it's speaking to the lay person most yes trained professionals know that these nothing switches off and is ever asleep yeah um, but what i do say is that joint motion gives the muscle something to do so if there is the less joint motion there is the less response the muscle needs to give so the, if there's no movement there the brain may not yeah. even register it as as being present Yes. So if wow. you're sat in a room room now, the things around you that aren't moving, you will have dismissed those because they're not a threat to you anymore. The areas yeah. that move a lot, that's where all yeah. the focus is. Yeah. That's why I keep moving my hands so you remember I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's... Um, um, gosh, so that's, this compensation, uh, this yeah. compensation is is huge. And, and it's the movements of a lot that draw our attention, draw yeah. our focus. But of course, they may have to move a lot because of other areas that are moving a little. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so if we switch our attention to the areas that move a little, um, we may, we may yeah. improve our chances of reducing the, the excess in, in those spaces. Yeah, because basically you have to steal it, don't you? If you're not moving in yeah. one place, you'll steal it from another. Um, yeah, which... borrow from Peter to pay Paul, I think yeah. is the phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. just and amazing. Paul's very rich and very unhappy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And in pain. He's in pain. Gosh, yeah. I think um, yeah. there's so many things in there that are just going to be so vital for our listeners. I, I know I know if you're listening, you're going to want to go back and listen to this again and just really absorb what Gary said about all those little bits, because we can put all that together. I think it was so exciting. I'm definitely going to go and listen to it all again because I think the more well, the more you listen to it, it just makes so much sense. You know, even unfortunately, for us, a lot of what I, yeah, a lot of what I even when we teach, people say I think I'm going slow, but they hear it quick and they need to listen to it again and again. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and a lot of this obviously is totally new for our listeners. They won't exactly. have heard the foot spoken about in this way. So I highly encourage you to. Go back to the beginning and listen to it all again because um, it's really, really valuable. Um, it can literally, I see it all the time with my clients, this can change everything. So, oh, it's amazing. Is it, Thank is you. It, is it worth mentioning the programs too? Yes, I was going to say, um, how can people learn more about you? How can they find out more about what you do and your books and, and your programs? Uh, well, um, the... 
the, the what the foot is the book title it, yeah uh, it is aimed more at practitioners than it is the lay person but i have been um informed from a few lay people that they found it very beneficial yeah um our website is findingcenter.co.uk which is c-e-n-t-r-e uh, the english way for any american audience mm-hmm. um and the the programs that i, I just mentioned um I put together wake your body up and wake your feet up and and it's an opportunity for anyone to experience pretty much everything we've talked about today to mm-hmm. want to, to self-assess your pelvic movement your ribcage movement and your skull movement and then to self-assess your feet and to start with your foot pressures to work out where they are yeah. and then to and all the movements you need to re-input the experience of, of the things that you find in the assessment process that you struggle yes. to do yes. um, to begin to reorganize it and then all of the movements integrated together to try and to try and sync it all all up now the the two programs um independently of 14 pound 49 and 14 pound 99 and will last you a lifetime mm. because your your body movement is not going to change yeah. so that was an important thing for me to be able to make it accessible for people yeah. um rather than price them out of the market so yeah. um and then also through the wake your feet up program you have access to the wedges as well which is what we'll use or you will use to um help influence your foot the foot shapes the um to to put movement into a certain bone like you can actually put movement into one particular bone if you want or all of them um, but just to give it a whole new experience of reorganizing itself yeah. Um, on the ground so that you can and then you know for your clients as well they, they, they'll what happens is that they, they start to better understand what's going on with them and are able to understand more about what you're doing in your yeah. sessions with them as well so it's a very uh, hopefully a very useful and helpful process definitely yeah I've, final... do, I've done both of those ones that are designed more for you know clients as opposed to therapists um, and they're invaluable <clears throat> So I highly recommend them. As Gary said, they're not expensive and um, easy to do at home. You don't need you don't need any special equipment, do you? It's just you yeah. listening to your body. So yeah, yeah really, Take really your good time. for yeah, really, really Take good. Take your time, be slow, gentle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everything we talked about today. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And for any practitioners, if they are looking to learn, obviously we don't travel around the world in the current climate. So yeah. um, we've started going online. Um, and the mechanics of all of that that we've talked about as well are available yes. also on that on that um, on the website. Yeah, and that's great as well. You've got so many courses on there, um, and you can you can attend um, the six day immersion courses virtually because they're all recorded, aren't they? So um, I often sit and watch all other immersion courses and just yeah. refresh yeah. myself. So if you don't, didn't get a chance to attend the course, you can still do it um, virtually. So well, it's just, great. No, just, just to be clear, those courses are available only for people who've previously done ah, the courses. Yes. Oh, so okay. they, they will probably be made available to people at later. But we're okay. starting at the beginning with foot and leg mechanics okay. and the upper body. Then we'll put the two together and then we'll start to teach about the gait okay. cycle. Yeah. So there'll be a series of programmes to get people clued up in the in the Brilliant. basics before we before can those people to that but yeah for the people who've, who've done more of the court the whole course yes. and more they, there's that there's a there's a support area of course yeah where where yeah. they get to learn more and more but our intention at the moment is to reach out teach the information to more people by online methods uh, people and we've people who haven't been able to afford to come to the courses haven't been able to take time off from work to come to the courses they're all able to access the courses now yeah. and it's uh so it's a very different environment, but yeah, very nourishing nonetheless yeah. to be able to teach in, in this way. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. And you're um, very welcome. I, I enjoyed that. No, I enjoyed it. It was um, and I'm sure my our listeners have enjoyed it as well. Um, so that brings us to a close of our of our episode of Finding Your Range. I hope you enjoyed it. Please leave us some comments um, in the box. Um, any questions, any, any of your experiences, we'd love to hear. And um, I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, take care.